Hello and welcome to Witch Wine. I'm Shelby. And I'm Desiree. And today we're drinking tea. Yeah. A first. We drank wine yesterday on FaceTime with Anna. And we drank a whole bottle. Plus a shot. Yeah. Anna had way more to drink than us, though. She drank a bottle and a half by herself. Damn. We drank a bottle... And probably like a quarter of the other bottle, but we didn't finish it. But we did have a shot. I worked early, so that's yeah. my excuse. Um, so it's our second episode of our spooky season. So I have a true crime story, and Shelby, I'm assuming, has a spooky story. Yep, two paranormal ones. <laughs> um, do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay, mine's going to be pretty long. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about the Zodiac Killer. Because they think that they've solved who it is. Isn't it Ted Cruz? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's Ted Cruz. But it's like they came out and they said that it was this one guy. I don't even remember his name because I don't believe it. I'm like, you know, this has been such an unsolved case for so long that it's like, like, they think that they found Madeline McCain, McCann, um, her killer. They came out with that, I think, yesterday or today. So it's like all these unsolved cases are suddenly getting solved. So I'm like, I don't fucking believe you. That's fucking weird. And then didn't they, I don't know, I don't think it was like super, super recently but I want to say, like, sometime this year or last year, didn't they, like, arrest someone for John Bonet's murder as well? I didn't hear anything about that. But I do know the Golden State Killer was found, like, two years ago because of genetic testing. Suspicious. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, that one I believe. But all these other ones that are coming out, I'm like, mm, I don't believe you. So, anyways, <clears throat> this is going to be a little bit of a long one. So, the Zodiac Killer started killing people in the 60s in Northern California. It was mostly San Francisco, but he would go to, like, different areas. Um, There were five victims murdered in San Francisco between October of 1968 to December 1969. Two of his victims survived their attacks. So, he killed five, but he attacked seven. Um, And then he himself has claimed to have killed... 37 people he wrote many letters and four cryptograms one of which took 51 years to solve and two that are still unsolved damn like they cannot break the code that he has written in so david faraday who was 17 and betty lou jensen who was 16 were shot and killed december of 1968 they were on their first date and they planned to go to a Christmas concert at their high school. Instead, they decided to go to a restaurant. Um, and around 10.15, they parked at, like, a gravel turnoff, which was, like, a well-known lover's lane. Like, you're 16, of course. Cute. Um, their bodies were found at 11 p.m. Less cute. So they weren't even there for 45 minutes before they were attacked. Shit. Michael Mago, 
I'm assuming that's how you say his last name. I could be wrong. 19, and Darlene Farron, who was 22, went and parked in a lot in Blue Rock Springs Park. A car pulled up beside them and then drove off, and then returned about 10 minutes later but parked behind them. The driver got out, approached the passenger window, shining a flashlight in their eyes, and shot them both. He heard Michael moaning and returned to shoot him two more times. Michael survived the attack. Holy shit. Yeah, but sadly, Darlene did not. Michael was able to give the police a brief description of the man. After this incident was the first phone call from the Zodiac Killer. So, same day, well, technically it's the next day because it's midnight. So, at 12.40 a.m., July 5th, 1969, a man called the Vallejo Police Department, taking claim of this incident as well as David and Betty. And then he also sent the police a letter. And I believe this letter was in like a uh, like code and they had to decipher it. So I'm going to read it as it is written here. So some of the words don't make sense, but it was written in code and this is what they translated it to. <clears throat> I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous ga- animal animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is ever it is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all the I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or atop my collection of slaves for my afterlife. And then he puts this like series of letters at the bottom as like his signature and they have not been able to figure this out. So, yeah, and it's like there's words obviously in that paragraph that you're like, oh, well, he meant to say this, but like that's literally what they deciphered it to. Um, So then Brian Hartnell, 20, and Cecilia Ann Shepard, 22, were stabbed on September of 1969. A man approached their car wearing an executioner's hood with sunglasses clipped over the eye holes and said he had just escaped prison and needed their car and money. He then gave Cecilia pre-cut pieces of, like, plastic clothesline. I don't know exactly what this looks like, so I don't know. Um, And he told her to tie up Brian before he then tied her up. He noticed that she didn't tie Brian up very tightly, so he tightened Brian's, like, restraints and then proceeded to stab Cecilia ten times and Brian six. After this, he went back to the couple's car and wrote the dates of his other murders, and now this one on the side of the car. Hartnell survived being stabbed. Um, Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. And so, second phone call, because the Zodiac Killer liked that, like, he was able to say something to the cops, but they weren't able to, like, find him. Bold, man. So at 7.40 p.m., the Zodiac Killer calls from a payphone 
to the Napa County Sheriff's Office to report his latest crime. Sheriffs arrived at the payphone minutes later, the phone still hanging off the hook, and they were able to retrieve fingerprints, but they were never matched to anyone. Paul Stein, 29, October 11, 1969, a man got into his cab requesting to be taken to the intersection of Washington and Maple Streets in Presidio Heights. Stein drove one block before the man shot him and took his wallet and keys and a piece of his shirt. Three teenagers witnessed this event take place and called the police, giving them the description of the man, but for some reason it was relayed to the police that he was a black man. Therefore, the cops drove right past him. Yeah. Um, so then his second letter. I hope you are having lots of fan and trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which bring up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because now I have enough slaves um, to worve me, to work for me, I think is what it's saying where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. On November 9th, 1969, the Zodiac Killer actually sent a seven-page letter stating that two police officers stopped him minutes after he killed Klein. So they literally have Imagine spoken to him. Imagine being those police officers. Right? Holy crap. Um, there have been other murders that are linked to the Zodiac Killer, but none are confirmed. He continued writing to the police, sending in postcards or letters, keeping score of how many crimes he's committed versus like the police catching him. So he would do his little symbol, which is like a circle with two lines through it. And he would do like that symbol and then equals... And then, like, a different count, like, 14, 17, 37. And then he would put, um, I think he had, it was, like, SFPD for San Francisco Police Department. And then zero. This man straight up made a game. Yeah. (laughs) Like, holy crap. Right? Um, January 29th, 1974, the final Zodiac letter was received with his typical cryptogram signature that still hasn't been deciphered. Um, He's also been linked to murders in Riverside that happened four years earlier, so before his first, um, like, confirmed kill, as well as the Lake Tahoe disappearance. Um, (laughs) Donna Lass, on September 6, 1970, who was a nurse at Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, um, after treating her last patient at 1.40 in the morning... And she was never seen again. An unknown male called her employer and landlord saying that she had to leave for a family emergency. Okay, so these suspects, none of them have been confirmed, but they are the suspects that are listed in the big book of serial killers, which I will have linked. So I'm just going to read their brief descriptions. So, one suspect was Louis Myers. Um, He died in 2002. He confessed on his deathbed that he was the Zodiac Killer. And he attended the same schools as the first victims. 
He worked at the same place as the second female victim. He was able to access military boots through his father's work. He served in the army, was a long-haul truck driver, and then, like, he had, um, like, petty theft charges and such. And he was stationed in Germany at a military base during the period that the Zodiac Killer wasn't killing. Interesting. Second suspect, Richard Rick Marshall. He died in 2008. He had training in code. He was a Navy sailor, um, a movie buff and projectionist at a theater. And they put that in here because the last letter that the Zodiac Killer wrote was like, oh, I loved The Exorcist, the movie, and was, like, talking about it, which is super weird. Um, He was a ham radio enthusiast, had a bad temper, especially with women, but the issue, there's not enough potential evidence. Like, he just kind of fits this, like, characterization. Suspect Jack Terrence. He passed away in 2006. He was a former enlistee with the Air Force and Navy, ham radio operator, worked for a steel company, foreman at General Electric, attendant at a laundromat. Terrence's stepson reported him as a possible suspect after he found a number of pieces of quote-unquote evidence that he thought indicated his stepfather was the Zodiac Killer. Items he handed over to the authorities included the following handwriting samples, a hood, Uh, similar to the one reported by the surviving victims, a knife with blood stains, undeveloped film with gruesome images, taped phone conversations where Terrence hints he may have been the Zodiac Killer. But hoping to incriminate him or rule him out, the FBI conducted DNA testing, and the results came back as inconclusive. Damn. And then... The main suspect that people talk about is Arthur Lee Allen. He died in 1992, considered to be the prime suspect, was dishonorably discharged from the Navy, worked as a teacher at an elementary school, sailmaker lifeguard, had bloodstained knives but claimed the blood was from a chicken, jailed for child molestation during the period the Zodiac Killer seized killing. And survivor Michael Magoe identified Allen as the Zodiac Killer during a photo lineup in 1991. The issue, fingerprints and handwriting samples were not a match, and DNA testing was done using stamps from an envelope, and this came back negative. It was known, however, that Allen did not like licking stamps because of the taste. And so, that's the story of the Zodiac Killer. That's a doozy. Um, So, who ended up being the dude that they... So, the guy that they believe it is, they believe his name is Gary Francis Post, who died in 2018. But it's like... And the group of people that um identified this man as being the zodiac killer they're all like ex fbi and like cia agents and law enforcement like guys who just want to solve on or like cold cases 
And it's like, well, this guy died. And unless some sort of DNA testing is done, like, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. Because I, I, yeah. I'm 90% sure they're just saying that um, his description matches the photo that they have. Have the like sketch that they have from the three teenage boys who like saw him do this and then they gave that to the police so it's like you're basing this off of a sketch that was made in like 1969 why didn't they get him then like if it if they like saw this like i don't know i this does make sense to me (laughs) like yeah it's hard because i mean DNA testing wasn't really a thing, I think, until the either late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and we still, like, to this day, have so much DNA in databases that's, like, not been tested. So it's, like, it's super frustrating. Law enforcement is shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. But yeah, so they think that they've solved the case, but like I said, I don't really believe it. But that's just my opinion. Like I said, until I get some sort of like definitive proof other than like this dude looked like this picture. I need more than that. Then it would still be Ted Cruz. It would still be Ted Cruz, 100%. (laughs) I think it's that third dude, the one that was identified, like the survivor was like, that's the guy yeah that would make sense to me too like what i don't understand is if he pointed him out in a lineup why wasn't he taken in for questioning etc at that point is it wouldn't that isn't that like that's like the whole point of a lineup right yeah so that doesn't make sense to me either like oh that looks like a dude cool 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 we'll write his name down have a great day everyone can leave like what that's what happens like in so many like unsolved cases like it's Mm -hmm. like it's the cops like not doing their jobs correctly yeah I can't remember I was listening to a podcast um a few days ago and I don't remember what the story was or the case was but it was like the police literally had the guy like in custody like they knew who it was and then they were just like it's fine. We don't. He seems fine. And then like the, she won't do it again. Yeah. Let him go. It's fine. And then the dude like went on to like fuck up more things. And like there was a story I just listened to. Um. So it was morbid. I was listening to, and it's episode two six seven, the unexplained death of Ellen Ray Greensburg. Like this girl was literally stabbed in the back of her head. and back and they were like it was a suicide (laughs) what yeah and this was after her boyfriend had and i'm not saying the boyfriend did it like it could have totally been another person but it was like the cops just didn't investigate because they were like well she was on antidepressants that doesn't mean shit your mental health has nothing to do if somebody you can't even like you it's, you can't, there's no way. You could not stab yourself in the back of the head. I think it was like seven or eight times. Like once and you'd be like, oh my God, that hurts. And like be unconscious, I would assume. 
Also, it, who's... If I'm going to commit suicide, I'm not stabbing myself in the back of the head. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? So it's just, yeah, there's a lot of cases that are mishandled. And then it was like, I want to say it was that same case. Um, They, like, didn't properly store evidence or collect evidence. so often. It's crazy to me. It baffles me. Like, oh, this is a crime scene. All right, we're going to just, like, everyone walk over everything and touch everything and blah, 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 blah. And it's like... No, tape that shit off and you get your fucking CSI team in there to do what they need to do. Yeah. It's insane to me. But yeah, so like I said, until there is some sort of other like DNA evidence, I don't believe that he was the Zodiac Killer. I agree. (laughs) It's Ted Cruz. All right. What spooky stories do you have? All right. I have the Sally House. Hmm. Which, while I was uh, doing research, found out that it was on Zillow. Yeah, it's a little out of our price range. Only one million. Just like a little out of our price range. A casual million. (laughs) All right. The Sally House is one of the most haunted houses in America. It is located in Kansas. Um, It has been featured on TV shows like Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Witness, A Haunting, Sightings, and BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, The Sally House was built for the Michael Finney family in 1867. It's an old-ass house. (laughs) Uh, The Finney family lived there on and off until 1947. Four deaths are confirmed um, under natural causes to have happened in the house. M.C. Finney in 1872. Charles James Catherine's. Uh, father of Kate Finney, 1874, Richard Edward Finney, 1874, and Agnes Finney in 1939. So their whole family. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) So the entire Finney family, pretty much. Um, After the Finneys left the property, the house was owned and rented by various people um, but the stories of the hauntings didn't start until Tony and Deborah Pickman rented the house in 1992. The Pickmans claimed that the paranormal activity started in the, um, that started in the home started slowly and then increasingly became very overwhelming. Um, with objects moving in their ch- uh, child's room, lights going on and off, and eventually um, they were visited by a ghostly girl. As time passed, Tony Pickman became the focus of the violent hauntings. He would have scratches um, all over his body, nightmares, and later on, demonic oppressions. He recalls uh, dark thoughts of wanting to slit his wife's throat. Understandable. (laughs) Relatable. Relatable. Um, There were also times where the Pickmans would come home to find all their... Stuffed animals in their son's room arranged in a circle, and then they found a pentagram on the floor in their basement. Is he the husband that was, like, fucking one of the demons? <laughs> Wait, what? No. There is, like, a paranormal... I don't remember which one it is, but, like, the husband was, like, falling in love with, like, the demon in their basement. No. I'll have to look it up. It's It's one of the popular, like... I think that was the Zozo demon. No, that was the wife that was fucking the demon. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dear God. 
No one's fucking in the Sally. Well, no one's fucking Sally in the Sally house. I would hope not. Um, in attempts to get help from uh, from the hauntings, the Pickmans invited numerous psychics to the house and the TV show Sightings. In one episode, psychic Peter James concluded that the ghost named Sally was responsible for the haunting in the house. James believed that Sally died from an appendix surgery at the hands of Charles Finney. Um, and I'm pretty sure this wasn't in the article, but I remember it. And I think it was the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode. And I'm pretty sure that they did the surgery, like, at the house. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I remember, like, I remember hearing that. And that, like, because I was like, yeah, I'd probably haunt the shit out of that house, too, if someone just performed surgery. Yeah. I mean, with, depending on what year that happened, it would make sense that they would just, like, do surgery, like, to go surgery. <laughs> DIY. <laughs> DIY appendix surgery. <laughs> um, the Pickmans, after living at the house for two years, eventually moved from the home to remove themselves from the hauntings. As for the hauntings, there is no single hot spot in the house. It's kind of just everywhere. Um, people have had experiences in the bedroom, the closet. Sally's room, the staircase, living room, kitchen, and the basement. Uh, some of the paranormal activities that have been documented by several people are dark moving shadows that are visible to the human eye, unexplained voices that are heard slash captured on audio, violent physical attacks, electronic failures, cold spots slash hot spots, nightmares, depression, poltergeist activity, feelings of being choked, and demonic possessions. Um, today, the Sally House remains vacant, but it is av- available for investigations. Yeah, I remember looking at it, I think like a year ago, and you can stay there for the night. I would I would never. I absolutely I would. I would never. I absolutely No. Would. Absolutely not. I loved the BuzzFeed Unsolved one. Because they got, like, some legit evidence, and of course, Shane was just like, that was nothing. (laughs) This is fine. While Ryan was freaking out the whole time. That would be me. I would be freaking out the whole time. Yeah. I would never go in that house. (laughs) Ever. And then my second one is a Reddit story of a vivid dream and a mirror encounter. Ugh, I fucking hate mirrors. (laughs) Um, these two events that, oh, okay, well, this is a Reddit, and it is from the user underscore match. (laughs) These are two events that happened on the same day. First, a dream, and then a mirror. I'm not going to go into too much detail into the dream, but if you'd like to know, you can DM me. Well, no, we won't be doing that. (laughs) Um... So in my dream, I was kicked out of my grandmother's house by my relatives and left outside the door, in my ple- and I was pleading to get back in. I noticed the shad- shadowy figure walking up the street to my house. At first, the figure, it felt like someone familiar to me that I've spoken to before or someone that I've known, looked like a complete shadow, but as they walked closer into the light from the house and the streets, then the streetlights was enough for me to... Get a good look. It was a human, a person, but I didn't know them. 
but they still seemed familiar. The person said someone was, um, the person said some taunting words and repeated, repeatedly asked, why did you leave me? Why did you leave me behind? We got into a fight and they pulled out a weapon, a gun, and started shooting at me from behind. And then I woke up. The thing is, I never finished this dream until then. I'd usually have parts of the dream here or there. I don't know. It's hard to explain in my head. Moving on to the mirror part. After I woke up from the dream, I went into the bathroom because my entire body was freezing, but my thigh was on fire. It was burning up. I get up to the bathroom and quickly pull up my nightgown, and there it was, the gash I saw from my dream. It was on my leg, running up to the back of my knee. It wasn't bleeding, but it burned really bad. The room began to feel cold again. As I looked into the mirror, I caught a glimpse of my reflection. Only what, I was looking, only what was looking back at me didn't really feel like me. I didn't know the person in the mirror. It felt so strange and so different. After I looked away, the gash on my thigh was gone. It was no longer there. Like all my other paranormal experiences, I ignored this and immediately tried moving past it. But when I went to the drawing room where my family was, my sister and my mother kept saying that I looked really pale and I was cold to the touch. I later, then, I, later on, I told them about my dream and the gash, and they, existed, they insisted it was a demonic experience and a demon was harassing me. I don't exactly disagree with the idea, but it seems really hard to wrap my head around. Till this day, I still kind of ignore it. Gross. Right? Like, the dream was, like, whatever, but it was, yeah. like, the mere part that, like, really got to me. Yeah, I... Ugh. I don't know. There's just like something about mirrors because I feel like it's been proven that mirrors can like hold energy. Yeah. And so it's like you're never supposed to put two mirrors across from each other. Like never have a mirror in your bedroom. Um, there's just like so many things and it's like I, I don't want any mirrors anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a mirror in my room. But I like, I don't know. I can't imagine like looking into the mirror and like looking at myself and like feeling like that's not me yeah that reminds me of like in nine perfect strangers when she thought her nose came off oh my god like she was like looking in the mirror and like she pulled her nose off i forgot about that part yeah plus mirrors are supposed to be portals Mm-hmm. yeah that's why you don't put two across from each other mm. I remember my, sis- my sister has one in her bedroom. Yeah. And I feel bad because every time I house it, I always slip it over. Yeah. That's what I did the, like, one time I housed that for her. <laughs> I was like, fuck to the no. Absolutely Like, it's bad enough not. that the bathroom mirrors are, like, right yes. there and I can see them oh from my the God. bed. Yeah. I'm like, all the dogs get in bed with me. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but, yeah, happy spooky season, everyone. I know. We got, like, tea and, like, blankets. I know we're Spooky recording vibes over here. We're recording a lot later than normal. Um, we started well. We caught up on American Horror Story and Grey's Anatomy today, and then we started that show. I think it's on Discovery Plus. I think so. And it's like a ghost ruined my life, but it wasn't like the best show. So then we started. It was entertaining. Yeah, like, the second but... story I didn't believe. Um. 
And then we started watching One of Us is Lying. So we've been kind of in a spooky vibe for most of the day. But yeah, we're a little later today. Shelby has to work at 5 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah, it's my bedtime. <laughs> oh, it's only 7.30. Okay. It's not you, too bad. You have like 45 minutes. Yeah. Ryan's probably already asleep. <laughs> yeah. But happy spooky season, and we're going to have a few more for you guys this month. So we'll see you next time. Comment all the spooky things that you've been listening to or watching. Yeah. I feel like there has to be something good out there that we haven't seen. I feel like there's been a lot of new, like, spooky releases, like drama murder shows. Yeah. Yep. So let us know, and we will see you guys next time. Cheers.